One of the unique elements of the Rebbe's teachings is the Rashi Sicha. The analysis on Rashi, on the classic commentator on the Torah. And they usually follow a specific format. Taking a Rashi, Rashi's comments, addressing or spelling out multiple questions that seem to be raised by the simple reading of the particular text in Rashi, offering a novel insight into a deeper understanding of what Rashi was actually trying to say, what was bothering Rashi, and based on that, showing how all of those questions are answered in the details of the way Rashi presented, the, presented his, his idea. And usually translating it at the end into practical idea as it relates to our day-to-day life or spiritual service. Let's look at this example. At the beginning of the Parsha of Tetzave, Rashi quotes the verse, the verse says, Va'ata Tetzave as B'nai Yisrael speaks to Moshe, you shall instruct the Jewish people, they should take for you pure olive oil. Crushed in order to give light, in order to kindle the menorah every day. Rashi quotes the words, you shall instruct and zach, pure, and he interprets without any sediments. Like we learn in the Talmud and the Tractate of Menachis, that they would shake the olives down from the head, from the top of the tree. So the Rebbe asks a number of questions. That seems like a very simple, straightforward Rashi, but the Rebbe asks no less than seven or eight questions on this Rashi. For instance, Rashi seems to be interpreting Zach just as pure, and he doesn't actually explain the meaning of the word itself. So why does he need to explain that pure means without sediment? What else would you think it means? Furthermore, later in Parshas Kisisa, it says Levona Zaka, pure Levona, pure frankincense, and over there Rashi doesn't explain pure of what. Rashi brings a proof for his explanation as we learned in Menachis. Why do you need a proof to prove that pure means without sediments? Also, generally, Rashi does not bring proofs from the Talmud and the like for statements like this, for practical explanations of a text. Why in this case does he feel it necessary to do so? Even if he did feel it was necessary to bring a proof, Rashi quotes from the Talmud and Menachis the words that he shakes the olives off the top of the tree, and seemingly his proof that it has to be without sediments isn't from that statement. It's from the next part of the, of, of the, of the statement in the Talmud, that then they would grind it up in the grinder so that it would be pure and sift it and, and, and put it through a process so that it would be pure of sediments. But Rashi seems to quote the wrong part of the Talmudic statement if he does feel a need to bring a proof. Also, Rashi usually doesn't say the, the source of where he brings it from. Why does he mention here that it's from Menachis? And finally, Rashi quotes in the verse, the words, Va'ata tetzava, you will instruct, and then, Zach, pure, and only explains the word pure. Why does he feel the need to quote these extra words as the heading? And if there is some sort of proof, from the text itself, why does he feel the need to bring the statement from the Talmud? In order to explain all of these questions, the Rebbe says what's really bothering Rashi 
is something else entirely. What's bothering Rashi is the order of the verse here. The verse says, Shemen Zayis Zach, oil of a olive, pure, Kasis Lamar, that's crushed in order to give light. Now the word Kasis, crushed, is going back on the olive. The olive is crushed in order to produce the oil. But Zach, the word pure, doesn't seems to be going on the olive. Uh, sorry, on the oil, not on the olive. That the oil has to be pure. But if that's the case, then the order of words in the text doesn't seem to make sense. It's saying Shemen Zayis, olive from an oil, Zach, that's pure, Kasis Lamar, that's crushed for lights. In other words, it's talking about the olive, then about the oil, and then goes back to the olive. Seemingly, it should have said Shemen Zayis Kasis Zach, an oil from an olive that was crushed, pure, meaning that the oil is pure. It's because of this that actually the Evan Ezra and other commentaries on the text interpret that Zach, that the word pure here, is also going on the olive, not on the oil. In other words, that the olive has to be a pure olive. That you're not allowed to take olives that were partially eaten or partially rotten or anything like that. The olive has to be a pure olive. Rashi, however, negates this interpretation and that's why he needs to interpret that what does Zach mean? What does it mean when it says in the text pure? It's going not on the olive, that the olive needs to be pure, but rather that the oil needs to be pure. How does he prove this? He proves this by quoting in the header the words Vata Tetzava, you shall instruct. When was Moshe instructing the Jewish people? This is while the Jewish people are in the desert. There are no olives growing there, which obviously means that they kindled the menorah at that time with oil that they had previously brought with them when they left Egypt. If that's the case, you can't say that the, that the zach, the word pure here, is going on the olives because they brought oil with them and they wouldn't know what the olives look like. You wouldn't be able to tell if the olives were partially eaten or partially rotten. So that's why Rashi quotes the words Va'ata Tetzave, because from the fact that it's saying Moshe should instruct the Jewish people now, that proves that it's the oil that needs to be pure, pure of sediments. That's something they could see right here, right now. But a student might still ask, how could that be? Um, it would still be better to say that Zach, that pure is going back on the word immediately beforehand, on the olive. So Rashi says no. It says va, and, and maybe the instruction is not for right now, but the instruction is for the future when they come to Israel, that they should find olives that are pure. So Rashi says no, va'ata titzave. The word titzave, he had already previously in, interpreted, instruct means both for immediately and for the future, which would mean that right now it's pure, and if right now it's pure, obviously that's the oil that's pure. What about the fact that maybe this is just an still just an instruction or it, or they sorry they had this instruction already in the past and they knew that the olives that they need to take when they left Egypt were pure olives so Rashi quotes the proof from the Talmud in Menachis that you shake it from the top of the tree according to the Evan Ezra that the o olive has to be pure the main, the best olives to use would be the olives from the middle of the tree where there's less likely to be eaten by birds, where they're less likely to be overripe and therefore more likely to be a complete and pure olive. Rashi, on the other hand, says, look, the Talmud says, shake the olives off from the top of the tree where they're the ripest. Yes, the olive might not be pure, but the oil that you'll get from it is the purest. And that's why he quotes the proof from the Talmud of Menachis.
one of the things that this Rashi is pointing out, Rashi, the Rambam tells us that we're always supposed to take the best for God. If we're building a synagogue, it should be nicer than our homes. If we're feeding the hungry, we should give them the best of our food, etc., etc. And there's a discussion. Is, the, is it just that when you give it, when you're giving something for a spiritual purpose for God, it needs to be the best at that time? Or is it even when you're preparing, you have to prepare of the best items in order to be able to give. According to the Evan Ezra, that the, that the olive has to be pure, it would make sense to say that the preparation too has to be of the best and of the purest. However, according to Rashi, that the pure here go, is going on the oil, not on the olive, that means that the preparation isn't as relevant here. What's most relevant is when you're giving, you're giving of the best. What is the message? What's the le spiritual lesson that this Rashi teaches us? Chassidus tells teaches us that there's two different elements of the olive. An olive, we're told, is bitter. Um, and on a basic level, that represents the fact that the olive itself is darkness, is bitterness, it's, it represents negativity, causes people to forget. And when you crush the olive, in other words, when you break the negativity of the olive, the bitterness of the olive, you reveal the oil, which is something positive. However, on a deeper level, the olive itself, the source of the oil, is that's what the olive is about. In other words, the, the bitterness of the olive is only a, an expression of the fact that it's so deep, it's so high, it's the source of the wisdom, so it's beyond being revealed as wisdom itself. And, when you, uh, and, and therefore, it's not that you're crushing the darkness, subjugating the darkness to get out light, it's only dark insofar as it's so intense that it's the source of light, it's not able to be revealed yet, and is the source of the light that comes. According to the Evan Ezra, Evan Ezra is explaining it in the basic level that the olive is the bitterness that you need to negate and therefore the olive itself needs to be pure because that's the only way that it's the proper vessel that can be made into, a, into something that can be sanctified. Rashi on the other hand looks at the deeper insight, the deeper elements and on a deeper level the olive itself is the source of light, is the, the darkness of the olive is only because it's the source of the light of the holiness that will follow and therefore according to him we don't need to focus so much on the olive itself we need to focus on the oil that's coming from it meaning when you're revealing it into the world you need to make sure that that revelation that that light that's coming from it is in fact pure but the source itself the the, the lack of recognition of the source was because of its greatness not because of its negativity